Guys, the sun is shining. It's a lovely day. The crows are fighting outside the window. Are they really? Oh, they were a little bit ago. Oh, I missed it. Yeah, really ugly looking one too. I hate having my back to this window all the time. Yeah, you I miss don't all get the good to stuff. see anything <laughs> that's going on. Um, friends, this is another episode of Doable Discipleship, which is a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your friendship with God, but we like to call it. The show that helps you grow. I never get to do that part anymore because I always mess it up. And Doug has it rotely memorized. What's your name again? My name's Jason. And you are? Doug Jones. Okay. Thanks for joining us, everybody. If you're new, we welcome you. You're in the middle of a two-part series. Doug's glaring at me right now for messing up this intro. Um, We are in the middle... It's a perfect intro. We are in the middle of a two-part series uh, with... Jeremy Elder, uh, we started this uh, conversation about the stages um, of spiritual growth, and um, we talked about stages one and stage two in part one of this episode, and we've been talking about some ruts that we tend to fall into, uh, some traps that we can easily um, get ensnared by that will keep us from growing through these stages. So, um, if you missed part one, go back and listen to that because we are literally jumping back into the middle of this conversation with stage three and then hit some great doable um, exercises that you will want to um, put into practice this week. I'll be doing it. Good job, Doug. So on that note, we are hitting back in with Jeremy. Jeremy, we have talked about uh, the first stage, which is uh, discovering what salvation is all about. And then we've talked about uh, the second stage, which is entails d- discovering how much God loves me. So, stage three. Stage three. Stage three is discovering how God uses trials to help us grow. So, a lot of times, we don't understand that everything in our life, especially the trials, are permitted for our growth. Um, you can read Romans 5, 3. It says, we rejoice in our sufferings. James 1, verse 3. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And if you're like me, uh, that sounds like crazy talk. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Yeah. I'll take the easier yeah. way, please. I'll yeah. pass. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what I thought for a long time. Like, if, ba- if bad things are happening to me, something is wrong. Um, but God's word says differently. And if you go back to those two verses that we just read, and you keep reading them, Romans says we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and it keeps going. And James 1 says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So that's a completely different way of looking at trials than how the world views them. Um, you know, the point of trials is to make us complete. It's not some, it's not to take something away from us, which is usually how we view it. It's to give us something that we lack. Mm-hmm. So, you know, God in his wisdom allows what he could be preventing in his power. He is all powerful. He allows it for your, for your growth. Um, you know, we live in Orange County. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are here. And it's probably the same in the West and in many other countries, right? is that we're very focused on living the good life. So um, often we're trying to, to insulate ourselves, to, to maximize pleasure, to minimize pain, you know, to create our own little 
slice of heaven on earth, you know, here and now. It's kind of a, a slapdash, incomplete version, but it's it's there. And, you know, we as as Jesus followers can kind of fall into this trap. And we get to this place where either consciously or subconsciously, we're assuming that if God loves us, our life should be easy mm-hmm. and that we should get everything we want and that there shouldn't be any trials. Yeah, And we're often working towards that unconsciously, which can be super dangerous for our faith. It's like this undertow that's just pulling us you know, away from the direction we want to swim. Mm. And, you know, Jesus says it straight out in John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble, <laughs> but take heart, I've overcome the world. And then, by the way, we've overcome the world through him because Romans eight thirty seven, Paul says, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. So, you know, there's trouble in the world. Jesus has overcome it. And then with him, we've overcome it. And more than over conquerors, that's like a compound word in the Greek. It's kind of fun to think about. It sounds almost like a a superhero word, like Hmm. super overcomers, mega victors. Hmm. Like there's there's nothing that's going to stop you because you're in Christ. And, And that's because all situations have been designed to help you become like Jesus. And, you know, to experience this, obviously, we have to stop running from our problems. You know, they're not bad, but they're the exact thing that God uses to help us be like him, if we let him, because we, we have a choice. Yeah. But the problem is, is that we tend to magnify our circumstances and then minimize what God can do through them. So we need to reverse that by partnering with God. You know, are we going to run? Are we going to engage? And, you know, we need to use our life situations to actually practice being like Jesus. And that's especially through the, the difficult circumstances. There's an element, too, of this where sometimes we, we misinterpret the circumstances that we're in as well. And we sometimes we, we enter into a season of trials, and we think that mm-hmm. that is some kind of sign from God that we're on the wrong path. Right. Or we've done the wrong thing. Uh-huh. I think that's really problematic because if people have a, a picture of life and a picture of God that says, like, if, if you're doing the right things, everything's going to be smooth and easy for you. And if God loves you, everything's going to be smooth and easy for right. you. Then you don't have a bucket to put those hard times in. Yeah. And then you start thinking, well— this is a sign that I've I've made some wrong move, or a sign that maybe God doesn't really love me. Right, um, and this reinforces, uh, or rather, kind of breaks down our understanding of God as a as a genuinely loving Father. So I think there's a big interpretation problem there that we run into. Yeah, and I say on the other side of that too, I think something that we even as Christians can often fall into is to just forget about God altogether when problems come up and just say, ah, this sucks, and just then. Yeah. Well, I, I gotta get through it. Hopefully, it'll you know go away <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And, but when we change our perspective and then say, "Okay, God, uh, walk with, with me through this. How how do you want to grow me or grow others or whatever hmm. in whatever is happening right now?" And when we invite God into it and walk with Him through it, that's where things begin to change. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Jesus sent his disciples knowingly into t- storms twice. Yeah. And they, it took two times for them to learn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe more. Maybe they still didn't quite get it at the end, but they were starting to. And so, yeah, it's like this idea that when when we get hit with what we're calling bad circumstances, we don't just go, oh, no, now what? But we kind of can start to get intrigued about, well, how's God going to show up in this? What hmm. what lessons does he have to to learn me? You know, we were told in Colossians to set our mind on things above, not on the things of the earth, you know. So we're not supposed to set our minds on the circumstances, but on God. Hmm. Um, an example of this 
and how to practice this kind of living might come from, uh, let's use the example of music. Let's say you want to learn an instrument like the piano. Um, you have to practice correctly. And um, I, uh, I once heard this jazz pianist say, it's not what you gain, it's what you retain. And I thought, wow, that's an awesome thing to think about for the Christian life. It's not what you gain, it's what you retain. So it's not about the, the distance you've covered, but it's about proficiency in what you're going through and what you're covering. So like, mm-hmm. you know, you could have two kids learning piano. You could have a kid, kid, kid one is, is doing scales and finger exercises over and over and over again. He's building that foundation and he's trying to root out little errors in the, the simple daily thing that he's doing. Right. And then you've got kid two who's like, ah, oh, that stuff's so boring. It's kind of beneath me. I'm just going to rush through it and move on to some cool songs. Eventually he's going to hit a big wall. I mean, his, his, uh, his technique is going to be nowhere near where it needs to be to move forward. Mm. Whereas the first kid that spent all that time on the foundation, when he hits those harder, more difficult problems in his music, he's going to be able to forge through. Mm. And that's kind of the same with us. You know, it's, it's not necessarily knowing more, it's doing what you know. And then when you do that repeatedly, it starts to actually conform you into the image of Christ. Mm. Well, I think, and I don't know if this is in your notes, but this is something that, this is a process that even Jesus himself underwent. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you were talking a second ago about um, the idea of God actually crafting circumstances for us, tr- trying circumstances in order to develop us, yeah. this is this is kind of a that's a really good description of what Jesus went through when he was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. It says that the Spirit led Jesus into the mm-hmm. wilderness to be tempted. And that Jesus had prepared himself for that temptation by fasting and by uh, by his um, knowledge and training in the scriptures and, and these kinds of things, yeah. and that in that case, it was a, um, it was through that training that he was actually prepared for his future suffering for the future trial that he would have to go through. So there's a there's a developmental process that all of us have in common, mm-hmm. but I think we shouldn't forget that Jesus was genuinely human and that he went through a similar process and the Father. Uh, kind of took him through a challenging but important uh, developmental, these developmental stages as well. Yeah, exactly. It's like he knew that it was from God mm-hmm. and he prepared for it. And yeah. it was really his his relationship with the Father and knowing who God was that pulled him through that well. Right. You know, whenever the devil tried to <sighs> sidetrack him, he was able to go back to who God's character was and who he mm-hmm. was in God. Yeah. And that pulled him through. And then from that moment, he started his ministry. Yeah. And and I think it's worth noting that the devil tempted him with a shortcut to his yeah. destiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and that that's exactly the kind of shortcut that we're always trying to create for ourselves. Like mm-hmm. if can, like you said, can we have the good life without all the hard parts mm-hmm. of the journey? Right. Um and Jesus knew that that wasn't possible. So when Satan said, "All you got to do if you want to inherit the earth, if you want the promise that God has already promised to you, son of man, all you have to do is bow to me, and I'll give you all that stuff right now, and you can save yourself all the trouble. Mm-hmm. Save yourself <clears> the pain. Save yourself the pain. Save yourself the drama. Bow to me now, and I'll give it to you all free of charge, or I'll give it all to you free yep. of charge. And so there, Jesus didn't fall for the for the gimmicks. He didn't fall for the trap that's, that said you can have it all in a quicker, easier way. You can skip the journey and just go right to the, right to the end part. Um, he recognized that this temptation, the trial that he was going through, wasn't some 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 sort of invalidation of his calling or of the direction mm-hmm. for his life. He just knew this is part of the journey. It wasn't a sign that he was on the wrong path. It was actually an, an affirmation of the path that he was on. 
and it was part of an integral part of that journey. Yep. And you know what? <clears throat> Even people that win the lottery come to realize that you can't avoid the hardships. That's true. <laughs> Because all your mooching family That's and friends right. are going to come and knock it. It's amazing how many people that win the lottery <clears throat> end up bankrupt. It's yeah. amazing. Yep. It's, it's true. The, the thing you think you want actually destroys you. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. You can't jump That's ahead to the human nature. Life. That's literally... <laughs> you just described it's, original sin. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. Well, let's, yeah. let's keep talking. Let's keep going on sure. stage three. Yeah. Yeah. And I think... Um, what you just brought up, original sin, that's a good thing to think about. Um, you know, when when Adam and Eve fell, the fall really was them saying, God, I want to define good and evil on my own terms. Not what you're saying. It's what I say, right? Hmm. Which is so ironic because if they would have just remained with God and in relationship with him, they would have known actual real knowledge, not like this human knowledge, right? Yeah. So we get we get really tripped up because we're experiencing life from this fallen human knowledge and we're not taking on the mind of Christ, which looks at these circumstances from a completely different way. Hmm. Um, so one of the, one of the things that I think is super key that you really have to keep in your mind, if you're going to start practicing using problems in your life to grow is that your old nature is dead. Your old nature died with Jesus. So what that means is you don't have an anger problem. You don't have a, a lust problem. You don't have an anxiety or an impatience problem or just fill in the blank. Um, that's because that part of you, that's, that's part of the old man or the old woman that died on the cross with Christ. And so we don't want to resurrect that. We don't want to mm. persevere in the flesh. So, you know, we don't have a sin nature anymore. For sure, we definitely have sin habits. But the good news is that habits can be broken, right? And that's one of the things that, that God can use circumstances to do is to, is to start refining our character, right? Mm. So, you know... God's not up there looking at us with judgment. He doesn't say, oh, that Greg, that Greg has such an anger problem. It's like he's, he's yeah, that Greg. You know who you are. <laughs> Sorry, Greg, if there's a Greg listening. Uh, <laughs> instead, he's looking at you and he's going, you know what? I need, Greg is lacking in patience. He needs patience to become more like me because that's the ultimate goal. So we're going to work on that in his life. I'm going to give him situations in his life where he can practice patience. Because you can't work on anger. Anger was killed with the old man. But you can partner with God in working on patience because that's what he's gifting you with in the new man. And yeah. by the way, the way that he helps you develop that is usually by putting you in situations where it's required of you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like exactly. Rick talks about Rick talks about how, hey, if you want more patience, guess what? God's gonna put you in situations that try your patience. Yeah. And you're gonna have to you're gonna have to work on that through the through that refiner's fire. Yeah, exactly. And uh, what, is, what does he say? That's usually the most dangerous prayer to pray. God, give me patience. patience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, that, but that really goes for anything. If you say, you know, God, give me gentleness or, you know, mm -hmm. love or peace. Well, it's, it's already yours in Christ. But like we said, you have to practice it. You have to mm -hmm. practice using it. And you have to practice, it's like a muscle that needs to be developed. Yeah. It's there, but it's going to be weak and flabby until you use it repeatedly. <laughs> weak and flabby. Yep. <laughs> My arms. <laughs> so, you know, in every situation you walk into, in every circumstance, you know, you can practice what God is giving you. Um, I think the fruit of the Spirit is a really good list to kind of base our characteristics on, obviously. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I don't think that's even exhaustive, but that's a good start. Mm-hmm. Um, and against such things, there is no law. I like adding that in because that's there. That's the next verse in 20, mm-hmm. verse 23. And what that means is that, that there's nothing that's going to work against the fruit in your life. You know, if, if you're claiming that fruit, which God is giving you in his spirit inside you, then nothing's going to work against it. Yeah. In that situation, you will, by the grace of God, if you want to be angry, but you're saying, God, the anger that I feel is dead. Like you took that. I want this patience that you say that you promised to me. He's going to give it to you. Mm. You just have to, you just have to ask <laughs> for it and exercise that. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think what we're kind of moving into now is, uh, has to do with habit. And so much of our transformation comes down to breaking old habits and replacing them with new habits. Maybe habits of thinking, might be habits of behavior, habits of doing, habits mm-hmm. of feeling. Um, and, you know, we talked earlier about how sometimes Christians look the same as everybody else around them. And largely that may be because you still have all the same habits that they have. Yep. You've never developed any habits that would dis- that would make you distinct on this earth. So we're stuck in our old way of life because we're stuck in our old habits. How can we start leaning into this process and um, breaking some of those cycles and being transformed? That's a great question. Um, I think there's an exercise we can do that's just a little way to think through maybe some of the habits that we have and what God might be trying to develop in us instead of those habits. And um, I need a pen. Sorry, can I borrow your pen? Thank you, David. Thank you, producer David. Thank you. Thanks, David. So, so basically, uh, what you can do is you can make two lists and list, you know, to get one sheet of paper, two lists on one sheet. First column, write down all the problems and the issues you think you have. And then on the, on the right hand column, just a corresponding list, you're going to write down the things that you think God is developing in you through those problems. Um, and then you're going to basically just cross out the first list and focus on the second one because that's what it's all about. So, you know, if we want to go through this together, um, I could say like in my life, okay, like I've talked about already, I could write down fear. I could write down anxiety. Um, I could write down anger, uh, ungratefulness. I, you know, I could go on and on. It Mm -hmm. could be a long list. Um, mine would be rather long, but you know, instead of fear, God, what he's really working on in me is, is his love, understanding and accepting his love. You know, he says, perfect love casts out all fear. And um, instead of anxiety, he's working on peace in my life. He's going to put me in situations where I might feel anxious so that he can develop peace, right? It's the, the peace that surpasses all understanding that mm-hmm. he talks about. And it's the peace that guards your heart and your mind. Um, anger. God's not working on my anger. My anger is dead. That was part of the old man. What he's actually working on is my patience and my gentleness. So, you know, when my kids do something that I don't like, am like I going to put a hole in the drywall like my son did yesterday? For <laughs> oh, did he really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. He whipped our front While door. Sick. He like yeah. pushed our front door open so hard that the handle went past the doorstop oh, no. and punched a hole in the drywall. Was it when you were getting home and he was just super excited? He's like, Dad's here! <laughs> no, it happened when he was with his mother, and probably God did that because he knew that my patience level is not quite there yet. <laughs> <clears throat> so that's what it, yep. 
all the worst things tend to happen when I'm not around. That's probably because God's like, uh, you're too high strung at this point. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So patience and gentleness um, instead of ungratefulness. Obviously, it's gratefulness. It's contentment. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a ton of practical examples from my life, just like you, for sure. Like, And you can probably identify, so you cross out that first list. I'm going to cross out fear and anxiety and anger and ungratefulness. And then I have this this awesome bullet list of things that God is developing in me that I can be mindful of as I walk into situations. Love, peace, patience, gentleness, mm. uh, contentment, thanksgiving. And, yeah. and then, you know, you can even kind of start to go like, well, what domains in my life or what areas of my life are are each of these things being worked out? So I know like in, in my marriage, in my parenting, yes, it is definitely patience and gentleness that, that God is working on. And so you can even, before you step into situations, you know, you know, that's, there's going to be trigger points like holes and walls and things like that, (laughs) that you just don't expect. And so it's like, before you even walk in the door, you're like, God, thanks for your patience and your gentleness. I am just asking that you give those to me now because you've promised them to me. Hmm. You know, that's what we're working on. And I'm going to see any situation that happens tonight is an opportunity to practice those. Mm. Um, you know, in, in the domain of work for me, it's love and peace. It's understanding that God loves me whether I fail or not and that I can have peace. I don't need anxiety over, you know, performing well or not. You know, I just need to focus on his love. Mm. Um, maybe in, in, the, in my extended family, it might be joy. It might, you know, you could, you can fill in your own your own list Mm -hmm. i love this exercise so as we talk about doables uh hello obviously this is the doable obviously this (laughs) is the doable of the day so let's recap the steps real quick you're gonna start with prayer i think would be a good idea yes absolutely let me just say god would you help me to like see the the nooks and crannies that you Mm -hmm. want really seen in this help help illuminate Examine my heart. Examine oh, my heart. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so start with prayer, and then spend about five minutes writing out the trials and problems on the left column, and then another five or maybe ten minutes, because mm-hmm. the second column might take a little bit more processing, because you got to think, okay, what's the counterpart to column yep. A that I'm going to put in column yep. B? Spend I, a few minutes doing that. Yeah. I'm going to add an advanced <clears throat> layer to this. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you really want to, you know, like, I'm going to take the advanced mm-hmm path today <laughs> the ap version for each of those uh words in column b that you're writing you know the love peace patience faithfulness and gratefulness those then go in and to back to the bible and find mm-hmm. verses that match each of those jeremy mentioned some um for the ones that he listed he mentioned how perfect mm-hmm. love casts out all fear he mentioned how the peace which uh, surpasses understanding those and and then write down these verses that correlate with each of these words you're talking about, and then mm-hmm. and then next level, oh geez, memorize them, memorize them, memorize them, because these yep. are going to be your quivers, or, or I'm sorry, your arrows in your mm-hmm. quiver, so that when you find yourself in these situations, such as a drywall punching, yep. or my kid taking an hour and a half to fall asleep last night. Uh, we can then pull out our arrows yep. instead of going back to um, <clears throat> the things that we're trying to root out. We're then armed with uh, scripture instead. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I kind of did that exact thing. Um, this all this all started with one thing that I was working on, which was the 
having grace-filled, loving words before I had even kind of pieced all this together. It was so that's where it started, you know, with James, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow mm-hmm. to become angry. Um, anyone that thinks he's religious and can't control his tongue is fooling himself. His religion is worthless or in Ephesians, um, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building others up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So that's, mm-hmm. that's like the perfect thing. Like the more, scripture you have in your head, the more it's going to kind of align with what God's working on. I mean, the whole point, like we're saying, is to have the mind of Christ to start viewing all these problems from his perspective, because that's really the only perspective that's accurate. That's good. Yeah. That's great. And I think there's a there's an all-important step, which is make sure you destroy that first column. That's an important yes. symbolic step of saying, I'm I'm getting rid of this. These are the Absolutely. things that I'm putting out of view so that I can focus my view on the positive good things that God is creating me. So you can yeah. cross them out, uh, which is what you've done there, Jeremy, or you could be a little more dramatic about it, which is what burn I would them. suggest. Burn just it. Just tear that sheet down the center <laughs> and like, oh, I don't know about burn it. <laughs> uh, don't try this at home, kids. Uh, but maybe, uh, you know, tear it, crumple it up. Tear it into small pieces maybe would be safer than burning it. Nail it to the <clears> cross. <throat> Well, yeah, you it, could yeah, build a cross, nail yeah. it to it. It has been nailed to the cross already, so that's there a good go. way to go. Yeah, that's that's true. That's that's big symbolism there. Yeah, <clears throat> you know the sobering truth when you look at those two lists is they they remind us that both God and the devil, Satan, they're trying to make you more like them, mm. and that that's kind of what this represents, right? Dang, that's a scary sentence. It, it is super scary. You know, Bob Dylan has this song, you got to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. Mm. And that's pretty true. And, um, you know, if you focus on that first list, you know, you're going to be fearful. You're going to be anxious. You're going to be filled with lust, whatever it is. And that's, that's really what the devil wants. He wants to conform you into his image and then set you loose on other people. Or by the way, if you're thinking to yourself, like, I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not uh, like. Where are you going with? This? I'm not serving God or the devil. Congratulations, you you're just admitted that you're serving. Yeah. <laughs> if you're coasting, you're going downhill, right? Yeah, if you're coasting, you're going downhill. Yeah. And, and that's Satan's like ultimate trick is to stay stay hidden in his agenda. But guess what? You've already been caught. Exactly. Yeah. And 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 the the other reason this is important is that <clears throat> it's not just for your sake. Yes, I mean your spiritual development and being close to God is super important, but it's also for the sake of other people. Like we said, you're supposed to let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're focusing on this negative list, you're like a radioactive bomb. It's like mm-hmm. at, at some point you're going to go off and then there's just going to be this huge fallout zone around you that people can't inhabit because there's just you know this perimeter of radiation that's yeah. just well if i get to you know if i get too close to that person i'm going to start feeling that anxiety and that anger and that you know whatever that they're carrying around yeah and instead you know if we're focusing and we're on on what god's developing us i like to think of it almost like you can think of it like a shield or like a giant beach umbrella or something that has room for you but you can also pull people under that as well under with you hmm, so like you know You've got this peace, you've got this joy, and you know whatever you're carrying around that God's working on, and when you have that umbrella up and you're focused on it, it's going to also spread and cover other people in your life, hmm. right? And you know when you when you step into any situation as a believer, it should become inhabited with God's presence because you're there. Hmm. It really should. And if it's not, that's an issue. <laughs> yeah. Cuz people are waiting for you to get it. <clears throat> 
It's like they, they might not know that they're waiting for you to get this, but they are because when you get it, then it brings light into their lives. Mm. Wow, that's a good way of seeing it. It's a way that we serve others as well, right? I mean, it's a way that we, from our own personal growth, we begin to inspire growth in others to help them along their journey. And it's that interconnectedness uh, yeah. that I think we all benefit from. Yeah, and, and if this sounds near impossible, well, that's because it is. It actually is. <laughs> Without Christ, it is. Um, you know, we're told that if we abide in him, we'll bear fruit. But if we don't, we can't do anything. Yeah. Um, the fruit comes through the pruning, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. um, like as an example, I have these grapevines in the back of my little patio area. And for years, they'd grow. They'd produce like one measly little bunch of grapes that was like the size of blueberries at best. <laughs> and my mother-in-law goes, you need to prune those bushes back every year. And I was like prune them well isn't that bad you're like cutting off the plant she's like no you got to cut it back to like the main vine like main stock and like just two principal vines and i thought this sounds crazy but all right let's try it and i'm getting nothing anyway (laughs) yeah exactly next next spring just an explosion of growth like Hmm. those i like i have to work to contain the grapevines so they just don't overtake the backyard and then my association complains yeah (laughs) and you know so and and that's how it is with us, right? You know, it's pruning is the circumstances in our life that God is using us to encourage to be more like him, yeah. to make us fruitful. And sometimes it is painful. It could feel like losing a limb. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if we're depending and we're abiding, then we're going to explode with growth. Hmm. And and God's still teaching me about this this idea of abiding. Maybe that's phase four. It's like, how do you abide in him continually every day, all day? Hmm. But... For sure, prayer, turning your mind to him throughout the day. You know, Jason mentioned scripture, of course. So that's not just reading it, but memorizing it, meditating it, reciting it. Um, Mm. Corporate worship, journaling the lessons you've learned, small group fellowship, because for sure you cannot do this alone. You need other people with you. Um, But one thing I want to stress is that it's not just a lesson in trying harder or trying differently. I don't want people to walk away with that. Like, I just need to try harder not to be judgmental no 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 that's not what it's about it's this all has to flow out of of who god is in your life and who he's created you to be you have to it has to come out of that identity right Mm. Um, if you paint a rusty fence eventually the the rust is just gonna come through the paint again right you got to remove that rust first and and that's what we're really about we're about getting into the heart and letting christ work there and then we can paint the fence and the paint will last Mm. um and and just a word of hope. I know this sound is probably sounds daunting. Even as I'm saying it and we're talking through this stuff, I'm like, man, this is really hard because <laughs> yeah. I'm still dealing with this stuff too, for sure. But we're we're not victims. That's the thing. We're not victims of our circumstances. We're victors through Jesus. So that's our starting point. Is this point of victory? Mm-hmm. And and God wants to help us in this, right? Like like we talked about earlier, He's just waiting to partner with us. He's just waiting for us to say, yes, I want to go here. You know. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you, right? And those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. It's a guarantee because of God's character. So there's not really anywhere to go but up. That's kind of the cool thing. Because even if you fail, you're going to learn from those failures. Mm. And it's still going to pull you deeper into God's character. Because yeah. you're this new creation. You can't go backwards. You know, could you imagine if, if Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and he's like, 
thanks, but you know, could you give me those stinky grave clothes back? And I'm just gonna go hop back in this hole and just you know just throw the rock over. I'll be I'll be good. That would be ridiculous, right? Yeah. <laughs> but so many times we try to do that in our faith, uh, not realizing that that old dead us is buried and gone. And, you know, we don't need to make zombies. We, we can leave that to Hollywood, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and on that sweet note. <laughs> Jeremy, thanks for coming, man. It's been a lot of fun. It's been stuff. a pleasure. We'll have you on again real soon. <clears throat> In the meantime, everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Do this week's doable exercise. Yes. Uh, comment about how that exercise go for you. If you're watching on YouTube or send us an email if you're a podcast listener, maturityatsaddleback.com. We'd love to hear how that exercise goes. Um <clears throat> We love you. We'll see you next Tuesday. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of video content. And if you're already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcasts on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com doable to check out all our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week.